Welcome to episode 27 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and I thank you for joining with me. You know, um, this is going to be a solo show. Um, next week or the next episode will be uh, an interview. But this week, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I've discovered about two different subjects that we both that we all love about film photography, two of the different things we love about film photography. So the first thing I want to talk about in this show is film stocks. Now, I'm not talking about film stocks in general. That would be a, a too big of a subject to talk about. But a certain branch of film stocks um, that we might be a little bit shy about using. You know, normally most of us shoot, uh, you know, Regular film, Kodak Gold, Kodak Portra, uh, this color slide film, you know, Ektachrome 100 Provia, whatever. Um, <laughs> not the uh, Velvia 50 or Velvia 100, one or the other that was uh, discontinued. But anyways, we shoot pretty fresh film. But there's another branch of film that we might be a little bit hesitant or shy to shoot, and that is expired film. Now, why would we want to shoot expired film? Well, expired film has a certain look. The older the film is, the more expired it is, the more degraded it is, and the more characteristic it has. You know, excuse me, film, film shoots, or <laughs> film shoots, film in general has a certain film look. And that's why one of the reasons we shoot it. It looks different than digital. So all film has unique characteristics. But expired film has a, a unique set of characteristics in that it definitely looks old. If you look at a, a, a picture, even a modern picture, a picture shot in 2021, but using expired film, it will look like it was a film or like a, a photo shot, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. It just has a, a real classic look. So that's one of the reasons why we would want to shoot expired film, because it gives you interesting results. Color shifts, lots and lots of grain, a texture that um, you don't necessarily get with fresh film. But how do we do that? How, would, how do we shoot expired film? What are some things to take into consideration with shooting expired film? Well, I want to discuss a couple of different things. Um, the first thing to, to uh, keep in mind is to expect the unexpected. Now, sometimes when you shoot expired film, you will get nothing from the roll. That's happened to me. And it can be disheartening because you've spent some time shooting these pictures that you want to come out properly exposed, and then you develop the roll, and there's nothing on the roll. That's, that happens, you know. It happens to all of us. But for the most part, when I've shot expired film, I've gotten results. But they've been different. <laughs> they've been unexpected results. Um, every time I shoot expired film, it's always unexpected, um, but always really interesting. So expect the unexpected because it's going to be uh, have a lot of factors into how, how to expose it. Another thing to take into consideration is who you buy the film from. Now, you might buy your film off, your expired film, I should say, off of eBay or Etsy or maybe somewhere else, or maybe you find a roll in, um, 
in the thrift store or something like that. So just take into consideration who you buy it from. Be very cautious with the person you're buying from. Now, I'm not saying that that person is nefarious or unscrupulous by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But if the person in their listing says that they don't know how this film was stored, well, then you want to take that into consideration because this film could have been stored in a hot car for 10 years. And by that, you know, by that point, that film is gone. It's, it's dead. It's defunct. You won't get anything out of it because it's been in a hot car. That, that heat has degraded the film. Or if they said, I don't know where this film came from, you know, same situation. You know, if they don't, if they don't know anything about the storage of the film, I won't buy it because, you know, you know, you don't know, you really don't know if you're going to get anything from it. But if the person says, well, I've had this, I'm the original owner and it was stored in my house, um, you know, maybe on a shelf. Well, then you, that's workable. It's workable. It will give you some interesting results, but it's workable. And we'll talk about how to shoot this kind of film in just a minute. If they say that it's been cold stored, even better. And if they say it's been freezer stored, well, then that's the best. Because, or maybe not the best, but that, that's the easiest to shoot. Because the the if it's been cold stored or stored in the freezer since it was purchased, then the film speed that's on the box, especially if it's in the freezer, the film speed is the same. Even if it's 30 years old, uh, if it's rated at ISO 100, then you can shoot it at ISO 100 because it's been frozen. And that stops the degradation. But, you know, film does degrade over time. Freezing stops that. Refrigeration slows it down. But over, over time, if you know, all things considered, minus it being frozen, it starts to degrade. So what is that degradation? Well, if, so film, film itself has a, a shelf life of about three years from the time it was manufactured until its expiration date, about three years, if it's at room temperature. And after that point, it starts to, to degrade. Well, how, how do we know how to shoot it if it starts to, to degrade? Well, there's a particular rule, a special rule, uh, sort of not really a rule, but sort of a guideline, uh, if you will. A guideline that has been disputed by some, but I've gotten some good, decent results out of using this rule. And it's called the stop per decade rule or the stop per decade guideline. And what that means is that for every decade that it has been expired beyond its expiration date, like say it expired in 2021, okay? So we're talking about film that was made in a, uh, three years ago and it expired in 2000, expires this year. I'm sorry, scratch that. Let's say we're in 2021. That's what I was trying to say. We're in 2021, the year we're in right now, and we see a roll of film that expired in 2011. Well, that's a 10-year difference. It's a decade difference. And if that film was stored at room temperature on somebody's shelf or in somebody's desk, then we can consider a stop per decade. 
Now, what do we mean by a stop per decade? Well, let's say you let's say you're wanting to buy a, a roll of expired 2011 Kodak Gold 200. Okay, Gold 200 expired 2011 and sitting at room temperature in somebody's desk. So that's normal temperatures, normal comfortable human temperatures, a nice easy degradation of the film. Um, that stop per decade rule will indicate that you need to open up your exposure by one stop in order to be for the pictures to be properly exposed. So you have gold 200 and let's say you shoot it on a sunny day at you know, following the sunny 16 rule at f16 at 1 250th of a second or 200th of a second, you'll, with fresh film, you'd get a properly exposed film or a properly exposed picture. With a film that's been expired for one decade, then you need to take your exposure triangle into consideration and change two out of the three components. So you could either open up your ISO by one stop. So instead of shooting it at ISO 200, you'd shoot it at ISO 100 and then adjust the shutter speed or the aperture accordingly. So let's say you wanted to keep that shutter speed at 250th of a second. In order to do that, you'd have to rate your film at ISO 100 because it was a 200 speed film and it's been de degrading for one decade. Rate it at ISO 100 and then change your aperture on a bright sunny day from F16 to F11. And by doing that, you'll get a properly exposed, ostensibly a properly exposed film. Again, expect the unexpected with expired film, but all things considered, you'd get a properly exposed film uh, picture. I keep seeing film, but properly exposed picture by adjusting your ISO and then either adjusting your shutter speed or your aperture accordingly. And then as the film ages more and more, let's say it expired 2001, well that's 20 years, two decades, you'd need to open up that Kodak Gold 200 to, from one down to 100 and then yet again down to ISO 50. And then on a bright sunny day, instead of shooting it, if you still wanted to keep a, a 250th of a second, instead of shooting at f11 with the one decade old film you'd shoot it at f8 so see you're opening up that aperture to let in more light opening up again another stop well it's it goes that way the further back in time you buy or you know the further back in time that film was expired so as an example i i recently shot a role and developed a role of uh, color VR uh, 400, color VR 400. It's a form of film that's not, that Kodak, well, they still make it, it's just not ca called VR 400. But um, anyways, color VR 400, and it expired in 1987. So I figured 2021 to 2011 is one stop, or one decade. 2011 to 2001 is another decade. 2001 to 1991 is a third decade, three decades, and then 1991 to 1987 is about a half a decade. So I figured I'd just work with whole decades, and I opened it up from ISO 400 to 200, 200 to 100, and then 100 to 50. Three stops, three decades. Um, and then 
adjusted my, uh, well, I actually, I shot it in a, a Olympus XA. So that they, with that, they determine since it's aper um, aperture priority, it, that camera determines the shutter, shutter speed. And I just trusted the camera. But if in, in, in my normal SLRs, I'd, uh, take that aperture and open it up from f16 to f11 f8 f56 f4 let's see if i get the right. f16 to f11 f11 to f8 f8 to f56 i'm sorry f56 on a bright sunny day to shoot it at um uh, you know 500th of a second um or i can you know you can adjust the shutter speed conversely and keep the aperture uh, more steady I just like using the aperture or adjusting the aperture myself. So with that role, I developed it in standard C41 chem, uh, chemicals because it, chemicals because it's a C41 film, and the results that I got were quite pleasant. Um, again, color shifts, lots of grain, lots of texture. Definitely looks old, looks expired, looks classic, nostalgic, but still with good um good exposure so the stop per decade rule has worked out well for me i've shot a number of rolls of expired film and i've gotten decent results out of using that stop per decade stop per decade rule in conjunction with the sunny 16 rule now another thing to consider is the kind of film you're shooting now if you go on ebay and you search for expired film you might find you know, you, you'll likely find a lot of different kinds of film. And most of the film you'll see is a uh, film that was made, you know, within the last two to three decades old. And that's all, that's all good, especially if you know that it was stored either in the refrigerator, refrigerator, freezer, or on a shelf. And I forgot to say, if it's stored in the freezer or the fr refrigerator, then you can shoot it more, shoot that film more close to its proper ISO. So all the things that I talked about was if it was stored at room temperature, okay? But anyways, back to, you know, all the different varieties of film. You'll, you'll find a lot of different varieties of film. Drugstore film. Old, old, uh, <laughs> almost sounded like Mike Gutterman, ode. <laughs> old, um, uh, Kodak Gold <laughs> film. Kodak, old, old Kodak Gold film. Old, uh, Kodacolor VR films. You know, ectopress film, uh, different different kinds of film, um, agfa films. You know, all different kinds of film uh, that was made back in the you know eighties, nineties, uh, and today, as the radio says. But if you go further back into the seventies and especially in the sixties, which I've shot some film from the sixties, um, you'll start to see films that are different. Uh, uh, as an example, there's, uh, Kodak made a, a type of film called Kodacolor X. Now, Kodacolor X is interesting. Kodacolor X is not, uh, on the box, it doesn't say C41. It says C22. So what does that mean? Well, C41, the kind of film that we're used to, is, a you know, there's certain chemicals that are different than C22, and they're to be developed at 41 degrees uh, Celsius or centigrade, you know, 102 degrees Fahrenheit. C22 chemicals are different than C41 chemicals, and th those films are to be developed at 
22 Celsius, or about 70, 68 to 70 degrees or so. Um, definitely a different temperature. Well, the first time I shot C22 film was Kodakolor X, and I talked about it in an earlier episode. It was 828 type film, which is the same dimension as 35 millimeter, but it has no sprocket holes, so the actual image is slightly larger. I had to buy a new camera, a different camera to shoot 828 film. But I shot it and developed it in C20, I'm sorry, C41 chemicals at C41 temperatures because I didn't know any better. I, I, I had no idea what C22 was. I just, just developed it at C41 at C41 temps. And what I got was <laughs> interesting. It was uh, film reticulation. It's where the, f the film emulsion actually separates from itself. You can think of it like a, a desert. You're walking in a desert and you see before you a mud flat that's been drying in the sun and it starts to crack. You've probably seen those images. Uh, you know, cracked mud uh, surface, uh, little chunks of mud here and there, and there's crack, big cracks in between. That's what film reticulation looks like when you look through, uh, you know, magnify it. It's interesting, really cool, but I'd rather not have all my images look like that. So I was thinking, what? why in the world did it look like this? What, what happened? I found out it was film reticulation, and the reason was is because the temperature. It was too hot. The, the temperature was too hot for that film. It wasn't meant to be developed at 102 degrees. It was meant to be developed at like 70 degrees. So I got another roll of Kodakolor X, um, this time 35 millimeter, shot it. And before I developed it, I thought, how am I going to develop this? Because they don't make C22 chemicals anymore. It's, they're different than C41. Well, I saw somebody on Flickr that developed C22 Kodakolor X in C41 chemicals at C22 temperatures, or 68 degrees, relatively 68 degrees. And he stand developed it for about 50, 55 minutes. I decided to try to do the same thing. I developed this at C22 chemical, or C22 temperatures using standard C41 chemicals. Stand developing it for about 50 minutes, and then blixing it you know, normal times, but at low temperature, and then rinsing it, letting it dry. Now, this film was really, really curly, uh, quite cupped. But nonetheless, um, I got some really interesting images. Definitely not fresh. Definitely very textured, very old, old-looking film. It, it, it's like the... if It's like if you took took that picture and... Um, it's like it's. It, it, I guess it's like if you took a picture of something from our day, but it looks like it was taken forty years ago. That's what it was like, you know, a modern picture, but looked like it was taken a long time ago. Uh, lots and lots of color shifts and and just really different, but definitely good images in my opinion. Um, properly exposed. I took that the whole. Uh, you know, stop for decade uh, rule, and I applied it and then developed it at C22 chem uh, temperatures with C41 chemicals, and I got some good results. So if you see uh, that designated de designation C22, then, you know, you can either develop it 
as black and white, and some film labs will develop these rolls of film as black and white, or you can be adventurous and try it in C41 chemicals at C22 temperatures and get some good properly exposed images. Um, again, it won't be. It's wise to develop it. C22 chemicals stand developed for you know a good good amount of time, 50 minutes or so. Um, but if you want something interesting, develop it at C41 temperatures with C41 chemicals, and you'll get some interesting results. Um, just don't rub the film because it will come off. <laughs> Uh, that's what almost happened to me with this uh, 820, 828 film, the Coda Color X that I first developed as C41 in C41 temps. Um, so that's another thing to take into consideration is the kind of film it is, how old it is. The further back you get, the more different it's going to be than modern film. So all summed up, uh, this expired film, expect the unexpected, no the way it was stored and if it was stored at room temperatures that's fine because it does degrade over time but it degrades more gently and it's a little bit more predictable if it was stored say on a shelf or a a desk at you know standard household temperatures then it's okay it's it is going to be degraded but it's workable if it was in the refrigerator refrigerator or freezer much better but if it was in a hot car not so much not so much so take the the condition that it was stored in into consideration and then use that rule uh, stop per decade. Again, it's been disputed by some, but I found that it's been very helpful for me. A stop per decade, open up your uh, ISO and aperture or ISO and shutter speed and uh, and you'll get properly exposed images, one stop per decade. And again, if uh, it says C22, well, develop it <laughs> differently than standard C41 or send it to a lab and uh, that will be, they will know how to do it. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, well, I'm pretty excited about it, um, is about something, you know, we normally we get excited or are happy with, with film photography. Let, let me just get to the point. You know, um, with film photography, there's a, a lot of different things that we enjoy about the process. We love picking the films. There's so many different film stocks. Now we can, you know, even think about expired film. Lots of different processes to, uh, or uh, film stocks to choose from. Lots of film stocks to choose from. Um, l loading the the film into the, into the camera, that's fun. You know, it's like, ooh, getting ready to start, you know. Um, advancing the film lever, finding the right aperture and the right ISO, uh, right shutter speed, I should say, focusing it in and then click. And we got our image. That's so fun. It's so enjoyable. That whole process, the act of taking the picture, picking the film and taking the picture. And then we get to the development and that itself is real magical because you take this film that could have been, you know, you might've shot it a month ago, two months ago, a year ago. And then you load it into your, you know, developing tank if you develop it at home, a lot of us do, and it's fun to do it. You develop, you know, load it into your developing tank, develop it for, you know, do the whole process 10 to 15 minutes later, you pull out your roll of film and oh man, you see images and it's just, mm, it's like opening up a gift, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool experience. 
But one thing about that developing process that mm, has always driven me nuts is dust. Dust accumulating on my film. Oh, it irritates me. Irritates me so bad. A little dust here and there doesn't bother me. But when I have copious amounts of dust, maybe a, you know hundreds of little bits of dust on each photo, uh, it's I either have to spend hours editing out that dust, which makes me feel weird because it's almost like it's a half digital image because it's not the original image. I've taken you know you know uh, I've <laughs> I've taken the clone tool. I use GIMP, taken the clone tool and have cloned a part of the picture that's clean onto a part that's dusty and therefore it's not quite the same it doesn't feel quite right but I've done it you know but sometimes it takes so long that I've also just decided at times to just bleh, I scanned it and it sits on my hard drive and I don't even look at them because I, I just don't like dust I don't mind hair to a certain extent but dust really drives me nuts all the other imperfections of film I love dust is its own thing well I've gotten a lot of different suggestions and I'll detail them and they've all worked to some degree or another but none has tackled the dust from my perspective I've gotten the suggestion to use the shower turn on the shower uh, turn on the shower in the bathroom and let that steam capture the dust and it will get it out of the air makes sense right well when I've done that I've ended up with sometimes even more dust and I don't know why except for maybe that well I, I do kind of know why I'll get to that in a minute but I've it, you know using the steam method what I've done is close the door let that steam stay in there and then go and develop the film and come in and slightly open that door and then go come back uh, close it right back up and then hang the film to dry in my shower uh, it hasn't worked, and I'll detail why in just a little bit. Another thing I've used is distilled water. I've been told that distilled water works wonders. And it makes sense, you know, distilled water has no minerals. It's just plain water, so off it, you know, runs off the film uh, at, at, as that final rinse. But that hasn't always worked. I've still gotten lots of dust when I used distilled water. I've tried taking the film and hanging it instead of letting it dangle all the way down. I've tried to take both ends and hang them, hang uh, you know, clip both ends to the to the hanger. So it's kind of like a U, and that way the in in a U shape, and that way the the film is further away from the ground where a lot of the dust is. Um, I've tried all these different things to no avail. I've gotten to the point where I've decided. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to send my film to be developed at a film lab. And, you know, I, there's something to be said for that. Film labs, film labs do a wonderful job at developing film. They're pros at it. You know, they develop thousands of rolls a year. And they have the dip and dunk methods. And, you know, it, it's just different than home developing, for sure. And I've gotten rolls back from the film labs. And they've always been dust-free clean images clean clean images but still I like developing film myself I like that 
you know, pulling the film out and seeing the images. I, I just like that. It's kind of it puts the ownership on me, you know, and I think we all, a lot of us feel that way. Um, so recently I decided to try one more thing. And what I did was sort of a combination of all the above. Well, except for hanging the film like a, in the shape of a U. <laughs> in the U shape. Um, but it involved using the steam from the shower and distilled water. So what I did was I got, I had like four or five rolls of film needing to be developed and I was waiting to send them as a batch to the film lab. And I decided I'm going to develop them, develop them myself. I was, I just wanted, I like doing it. I like developing film. So um, I went to the store. I needed to get some more distilled water. So I got a couple of jugs, gallon jugs of distilled water and a couple of uh, liters of seltzer and you know drank the seltzer and then uh rinsed it out and in, in fact i rinsed it out in with regular tap water and then rinsed it out with distilled water so it'd be clean clean and fresh you know ready to go and in those two uh i got two jugs of um uh two bottles of seltzer in those bottles i filled them with distilled water as my uh as distilled water to be used again and again until you know i did deem it necessary to 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 uh, replace it but then i had some other distilled water and that will come in handy in just a minute so then i got home i developed the rolls of film and before i developed them i turned on the shower closed closed the uh door turned on the shower let it steam for a couple of minutes you know then of course, closed the shower curtain, and I kept that shower curtain closed. I always keep the shower curtain closed. But then instead of keeping that door closed, the the bathroom door, I opened up the door and let that steam come out. And the reason being, when I've let the steam stay in, sometimes I've noticed that the I get more dust. I, I have developed some rolls of film where I've let the steam stay in the bathroom, hung the film to dry, and... I've had an inordinate amount of dust or I've had not as much dust, but this, the film has this weird film on it, on the emulsion side, uh, which isn't, isn't so good. So I decided to let the steam come out of the bathroom while keeping the shower curtain closed. And then I went to develop the film and I went through the development process. I you know, developed it normally, blixed it normally, even rinsed it normally, rinsed it with regular, you know, warm tap water 10 or 15 times. And then what I did was I took my jug of distilled water, the gallon jugs, you know, I had some quite a bit left over. I took that jug and uh, poured a little bit into the, the developing tank and kind of rotated it around, make sure it got all the film wet and also the 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 development tank uh, wet, and then poured it out, and I repeated it a second time. And the purpose of that was to try to get all the tap water out of the tank and off the film. And then what I did was I took my two bottles of distilled water. I had those in my hot bath with the developer and the Blix that whole time. I took my two bottles out of the hot bath. So they were at, you know, 
100 degrees or so. And I opened up one bottle, poured it into the development tank, and then poured it back into the bottle. And then took the second bottle of distilled water, poured it into the tank, and keep in mind these were hot or warm distilled water. Took the second bottle, you know, put it into the tank, swirled it around, and then poured that back into the bottle. And then hung the film to dry in the shower where the door was opened. After I hung it to dry, then I closed the door because there was no more steam in the bathroom, but there was also no more dust ostensibly. So what do I think worked? I'll, I'll tell you what worked. I'll tell you what happened first. <laughs> All six rolls, no dust or very, very minimal dust. So blown away. So, so happy. What I think worked is a combination of letting the shower run, let that steam capture the dust, but then open the door so that the steam doesn't hang around. Because I think the steam hanging around is detrimental to the to the drying film. Whereas if the steam is able to exit the bathroom while keeping the shower curtain closed, then you know it's captured the dust, done its job, but doesn't you know uh, it doesn't harm or obstruct the the drying of the film. The second thing is the hot distilled water. Final, final, final rinse. <laughs> um, I think what that does is, well, you know when you wash dishes and you rinse them in cold water, that cold water kind of sticks on the, on the dishes, right? It doesn't evaporate very well. But if you rinse it in hot water and then leave them to dry, it, it dries on its own pretty quickly. And I think that's what happens with the film as well. Rinsing it with distilled water, but having that distilled water be at 100 degrees or so helps it to evaporate off the film much better than a final rinse in cold water. I think that hot distilled water helps it to to evaporate, leaving the film clean. And all six rolls that I developed this way, using those two methods, the opening the door after the steam, after the bathroom has been steamed, again, keeping that shower curtain closed, and then doing the final two rinses in hot distilled water, I think that that has worked to keep the dust off the film. Now, this is preliminary. I've only done six rolls of film like this. I will continue to do this and check in with you guys. And if I find that it's continuing to work, then um, to me, I think it's a success. so try it. Let me know what you think. Uh, try those two different methods. It's not, it doesn't add too much to the development process, but try it out and see what you think. Uh, let me know um, either on Instagram at GenXPhotogPod at, uh, on Instagram or uh, GenXPhotogPod at gmail.com. Either way, uh, let me know uh, what you think about this, uh, <laughs> this development process where you end up, or at least where I have ended up with no dust. And the other thing, get in touch with me and see, tell me what you think about the expired film. Uh, Let me know the results that you've gotten. Maybe even share a couple of images with me and, you know, I'd be happy to share. Um, And thirdly, just if you'd like, let me know how I'm doing on this podcast. 
I'm not a professional. Um, I'm really hoping the audio quality improves. I just bought a new headset with a better microphone. I'm really hoping it improves. Um, I want to make it enjoyable for all you listeners out there. So I do, again, really sincerely thank you for listening. Um, each and every one of you, I thank you so much. And uh, again, the next episode, I'll be having an, uh, a nice interview. Um, so looking forward to that. So until next time, keep those analog vibes alive. <laughs>